Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe, podcast that's all about comedy book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our The Amazing Spider-Man and The Punisher episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seb and James recommended on last week's podcast. Uh, Those were Spider-Men and Shed. That's an arc from The Amazing Spider-Man. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. And we'll kick things off with Suicide Squad because the marketing machine for that movie is kicking into top gear and this week we've had a bunch of new posters and a trailer for the film. So let's start with the posters. Um, There's that really arty one with all the character faces um, and all the character poster spin-offs from that which look really cool and I imagine are destined to adorn the rooms of students' bedrooms for many years to come. Um, And then there's the slightly more standard one, um, but it's still impressive, Uh, kind of features the actual actors making up a smiley face. Um, Onto the trailer, which is set to Bohemian Rhapsody. This really doubles down on the movie having a lighter tone than the rest of the DC Cinematic Universe. And in fact, it might as well say on the trailer, this is DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Plot details are... Still largely absent, although it does look like Cara Delevingne's Enchantress works with Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flag earlier in the movie before being either transformed or possessed or whatever into the character she is. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that she's the character that they've been sent out to stop. Um, how the Joker plays into it all is still unclear, but I wonder whether he might be revealed as the key to the creation of all of these other villains and that maybe there is a grander plan that extends beyond this movie with regards to him. So, whether the film ultimately works or not, they're definitely selling it well so far. Um, And another movie that seems to be nailing its marketing, um, at the very least, is Deadpool. Um, And while that movie's now almost upon us, we're starting to hear news, of course, about a potential sequel. Now, this will only happen if the now-confirmed R-rated Deadpool does well at the box office, which is by no means a dead cert. But Ryan Reynolds has again hinted that if they do manage to get to a Deadpool 2, then they're trying their best to make it a Deadpool and Cable movie. So I guess that's exciting if you know and like those characters. Um, Back to DC now, because there has been an awful lot of DC news this week, mostly coming out of the CW's DC film special. Um, And we got our first look at some Wonder Woman footage as part of that. 
The film will be set during World War One, and the footage promises a lot of Wonder Woman in action um, and on horseback. Uh, this comes hot on the heels of news that Connie Nielsen has been added to the cast. She'll be playing the role of Queen Hippolyta, that's Diana's mother, and the role that we spoke about back in the last minisode that was still waiting to be filled. So everything looks like it's coming together on that movie, but we're still 18 months away from seeing it in cinemas. Also part of the DC special, uh, the lineup of the Justice League was confirmed via a piece of concept art. As confirmed, there's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash and Cyborg. But according to Jeff Johns, that doesn't necessarily mean we won't see one or more Green Lanterns as part of the movie as well. So to quote Jeff Johns, we've been to the bottom of the ocean, we've been to the ancient Greek mythology, we've been to the past and future with The Flash, we've been to the digital world with Cyborg we still got to go into space. So the Green Lanterns and the Green Lantern Corps are coming to the Justice League universe. Whether that's part of Justice League Part 1 or Part 2, who knows, but that Green Lantern Corps movie is scheduled for 2020. A movie that's going to appear slightly earlier is the solo Aquaman movie, and in this past week it appears that Amber Heard will be joining the cast in the role of Mira, the film's female lead. Still on DC, we're not far away from seeing Legends of Tomorrow debut on the CW, but some interesting casting details are still emerging as the show remains in production. Jonah Hex, who is the guy from the Old West that you'll remember from that terrible Josh Brolin movie, is set to feature on the show, and he'll be played by an actor whose name I can't pronounce. Jonathan Shaich? Maybe. Meanwhile, Geek Favourite and Firefly alum Jewel State will feature on the show as a character called Rachel Taylor, who will be a descendant of one of the members of the main team. One character you can expect not to see is Matt Ryan's John Constantine, because although he appeared on Arrow earlier this season, it has been confirmed that that was very definitely a one-off. Over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, and Netflix has picked up Jessica Jones for a second season. Given how the first season ended, we're expecting it to be using mostly original material now in its second year, and we guess there's a lot more to explore with the stuff they set off with Hellcat and all the bits and pieces with Nuke and those pills. And still with Netflix, while it hasn't been 100% confirmed, it looks extremely likely that Netflix will be given the Punisher his own series after he's introduced in Season 2 of Daredevil. That does mean that after Daredevil Season 2 and Luke Cage, which will both debut this year, Marvel and Netflix have Jessica Jones Season 2, Iron Fist, The Punisher, and The Defenders all on their slate, and at this point we're not even going to speculate on which order they're going to arrive. Um, why not make it a bit simpler? Add The Punisher to The Defenders as the main villain, because that'd be loads of fun, right? And finally, a couple of tidbits on some upcoming TV shows. It seems increasingly likely that FX's Legion will be ordered to series, and that the first season will debut at some point in 2016. However, do not expect the show to cross over with the big screen X-Men universe, because it's been confirmed by FX's John Landgraf that the show will take place in a parallel universe, in which the government is only in the very early days of being aware of mutants. And another show that you maybe care a little bit less about, because is anyone still watching Heroes Reborn? Well, if you are, bad news, that show is going to be finishing for good after this season, which actually means after tomorrow night, because that is when the finale airs. Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. So we'll start off with Seb's recommendation, which was Spider-Man. Uh, this comes from Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. 
And this is uh, the comic which um, I didn't actually know even from Seb's description. I knew this was the first time that Peter Parker of the main Marvel Universe and Miles Morales of the Ultimate Marvel Universe met. But apparently it's the first time that anyone from those two universes met. So this was kind of like after 10 years of the Ultimate Universe existing, the first time that it actually crossed over and we got, we got those two universes colliding. Um, and so this kind of starts off following... Peter Parker, his Spider-Man in the main Marvel Universe, um, kind of going around his daily business, saying why he enjoys being Spider-Man so much, um, until he comes across, he sees this bright light and tracks it down and finds Mysterio. Um, I originally wasn't sure which Mysterio this universe was, which universe this Mysterio was from, but it, it appears that it is the main 616 that he's from. And... Um, Spider-Man is thrown into this light by Mysterio and ends up in the Ultimate Universe, except he doesn't know that the multi the Ultimate Universe exists and doesn't really realise where he is, um, and kind of has this, like, um, this kind of, like, mindfuck journey around this New York that isn't quite his, where everyone seems to know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but that that's not right because... Peter Parker's Spider-Man shouldn't be around anymore because in this universe, Peter Parker has died. So it's kind of a real weird, trippy experience for Peter until he bumps into Miles. And there's kind of like a, a fun little twist on the superheroes fighting before they become buddies because Peter and Miles do kind of face off against each other. But it's kind of in a really like... Like, they're kind of trying to get to know each other, and they kind of don't really want to fight each other, but because of how circumstances unfold throughout the issue, they do end up fighting. Um, and uh, But eventually, basically, Peter goes off and discovers all that is happening in this in this other universe and, and confirms to himself that it's, it is true. It's not like a thing that Mysterio has done to his brain to kind of confuse him. This is... This is happening. He is in this other universe. Um, and he tracks down Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane and Aunt May in this universe and goes and chats to them and kind of bonds with Miles in the process. Um, and some of the some of the uh, ultimates are involved in this, the the ultimate versions of um, the Avengers. So there's uh, Iron Man and Thor and Hawkeye, um, although Pretty much Iron Man's the only guy who's allowed to speak as part of this, um, which which I think is probably a good idea. The, the main focus is on Peter and Miles um, and really what this means to these two characters. And these these aren't characters that at least at this point in their creation I know very much about, but or, or what they're dealing with personally at this time. But there's enough kind of hints in the in the comics that Miles has lost his family and it has something to do with his uncle being a not very nice guy. And obviously Peter has no Gwen Stacy in his universe. And this universe is also um, younger than his. So, like, Peter is, I guess, maybe 10 years older than, or, than he would have been in the Ultimate Universe. So there's, you know, Gwen Stacy is younger and Mary Jane's younger. Um, and it's really like the the plot of this in terms of the the battle with Mysterio and getting Peter back to the six one six is fine, but all of the great moments in this story are personal moments for Peter. So when he sees Gwen Stacy alive for the first time, that's a really powerful emotional moment. And Miles is kind of searching for validation 
with being Spider-Man in his world where Peter Parker has died. And he kind of wants the he kind of wants the nod of approval from Peter and has wanted it wanted it from his universe's Peter Parker, but can't have it because he's dead. And so kind of Peter getting to know him and liking him and approving of what he's doing is really huge. And there's a really nice relationship between the ultimate Nick Fury and Miles Morales as well, where Nick Fury is it kind of seems like a bit of a mentor to him and is kind of kind of like nudging him along in terms of getting that approval from Peter and telling him how much he deserves it and all that kind of stuff. So that was really nice. Um and so yeah, I basically enjoyed this story a lot for those character beats. Um Sarah Pacelli's art is really great. Um I particularly like how she draws Miles Morales. Um like he he has such I, I think it's difficult sometimes for art to accurately get across the age of characters and especially when of young characters and, and especially when they're in costume um but miles really always does feel like a little brother of peter and i love his design in and out of the costume there's a really nice moment where peter's when peter first sees miles in costume and is like um you know who are you and why is your costume so much cooler than mine um and basically miles is from everything I've seen of him so far, a really great character. And this kind of made me want to go back and rediscover some of Ultimate Spider-Man. I kind of meant to do I kind of meant to do it after I was recommended Ultimate Spider-Man for the first time on this podcast, but it felt like such a big undertaking. And I wonder now whether maybe just attacking the Miles bits or the end of the Peter Parker arc and the start of the Miles Morales arc. Because I really like this character and I've liked him every time he's turned up. Um, the the big the big enormous tease of this um, arc though. So it's it's a five issue mini series, and the end of the fifth issue. Um, so Mysterio is defeated and left in the Ultimate Universe, which I thought was interesting. Um, but more interesting than that, Peter when he gets back to the six one six decides that he is going to try and find out who Miles Morales is in his universe. He's like. So, obviously, there was a Gwen and a May and an MJ over in that universe. So, I wonder if there's a Miles Morales in my universe. And he kind of Googles Miles Morales and then looks... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Really shocked. And it's like, oh God, what's this What's this cliffhanger? Who? Who is Miles Morales in the MCU? Is, is he dead like Peter Parker's dead in the Ultimate Universe? Or is he... Is, is there something else going on with him? Does does Peter maybe need to go and save him from something? Or is he more villainous in this universe? It could be any number of things, but it's really intriguing because I think Miles is a character that has only ever existed in that Ultimate Universe. I've certainly never seen any other versions of him. So it it kind of is set up as this real tease of who could the, who could the Miles Morales of the main universe be? And so I immediately went onto Google and was like, who is Marvel Miles in the 616? And it was never explained. 
And that's really frustrating because anyone who is reading Secret Wars or has read Secret Wars in this in the past couple of months and now spoiler for the end of Secret Wars. But the end of Secret Wars reveals that the 616 doesn't exist anymore and that the main Marvel Universe has been recreated. Um, and Miles has, has been transported over with Peter and Miles now exists in the main Marvel Universe. So seemingly we'll never get an answer to who... 616 miles was and i guess that's just one of those frustrating things that seven james have told me to kind of expect to encounter occasionally in comics but man uh that was a real that was a real case of uh comic book blue balls that i got right there um but yeah so that was spider-man from brian michael bendis and sarah pacelli it's five issues and i zoomed through it in, a, in about half an hour 45 minutes so i would highly recommend if anyone has the marvel unlimited app so just get on there and and read all of those um straight away they're really fun um but we'll move on now to james's recommendation which is a four issue arc from the amazing spider-man um run so this is i believe issues 630 through 633 in the amazing spider-man um and these are written by zeb wells and chris Bacalow. so the story is a four-parter um it's called shed um and Shed seemed like a very strange name to me. I couldn't really work it out until it kind of became clear. It was kind of like referencing the lizard shedding, kind of reptiles shedding skin, but more in this case, shedding a personality. Because this is a story where, and there are lots of other elements that seem to kind of play into it in terms of maybe a wider arc that was going on in Amazing Spider-Man at the time, um, which I didn't really understand. Like the whole way through, May Parker was being very angry and kind of short with everyone and shouting at Peter and shouting at her husband and it seemed like there was something kind of in control of her and I, I don't think that was supposed to tie into all the lizard stuff that was going on but I'm not sure um there was also some kind of um thing going on with the lizard kind of being guided without his knowledge and without Spider-Man's knowledge um by the family of Craven the Hunter, and I only kind of know that they're the family of Craven the Hunter because it was explained in some of the intros to the comics. It never actually, there was never actually any pointing it out in in the course of the story. So I guess they must have been introduced earlier on. So it's like I think it's Craven's wife and son and daughter, maybe or maybe brother. I, I I'm not sure, but it definitely his daughter plays a part in it, and they kind of egg on and guide the lizard here into into what happens in the story so essentially as part of the as part of the story the lizard uh kirk connors who is kind of back in his kirk connors guise not as the lizard um is trying to convince the world and basically the authorities that he is no longer in danger of turning into the lizard that he's put it past him and that all he wants is to be able to see his son again now um, as becomes very clear very quickly, that's not strictly true, and Kirk Connors has been kind of drinking this uh, formula to keep the lizard at bay. But when his boss starts... This was something I wasn't hugely a fan of. His boss starts... Um, uh, it actually says it in one of the intros. Um, that his abusive boss, Brian King, triggered the lizard's return by engaging in a romantic affair with Connor's assistant, Marissa, secretly the object of Connor's affections. Which I thought was a bit of a shame that he kind of has a jilted lover kind of 
uh, it, it doesn't reflect well on the character of Kirk Connors, um, especially when there's this stuff that his that is going on with his son, which should really be the most important thing in his life. Um, but instead, it's kind of like he's jealous that a girl didn't like him and she likes the guy he doesn't like instead. So he turns into a monster and kills them all. Um, he doesn't kill Marissa, but it's implied that he really uh, heavily, badly injures her. Um, and he kind of goes on a rampage, and that's when Spider-Man becomes involved and kind of blames himself for not realising that Kurt was on the verge of turning back into the lizard and that he believed Kurt when he said that the lizard was gone. Um, and the first thing he does is goes after his son, and Spider-Man realises that that's going to be the first thing he'll do and tries to go and save the son, um, and kind of gets there in time to stop the lizard but doesn't realize that someone has already been there and attacked and this is where the family of craven have come into things they've they've attacked the foster family of kurt connor's son and taken him elsewhere and so while spider-man thinks he's kind of protecting them the lizard catches his son's scent and leaves and by the time that spider-man is able to get to the lizard again he has in fact found and killed his son and it's a really, really dark moment in this comic and kind of like Spider-Man has resolved at that point to he can't even waste any of his time um, quipping or telling jokes and that the time isn't right for this and that this is really serious and, you know, that a young boy has died. Um, but the, what I thought that Spider-Man really isn't the interesting part of this. I mean, he's kind of got stuff going on in the background with his love life and because uh, he's dating uh, Black Cat at the time, but it's only a casual... It's, and it's it's all kind of background stuff that's not very interesting. The interesting stuff is the lizard, because there is this kind of internal battle between the two of them. And I guess it kind of foreshadows some of the really good stuff that the comic did in Superior Spider-Man, with, like, Superior Spider-Man, uh, Dr. Octopus and Peter Parker battling with each other in inside the same head. But because Kirk Connors is still in the background trying to fight against the lizard in this, you've got this kind of really interesting man-beast duel inside his head. Um, and basically, Kurt is shed. He is destroyed as part of the lizard at all when the lizard kills his son. That's kind of all that he was hanging on to, all that he was living for. And when his son dies... He kind of disappears and the lizard is able to take full control. Um, and then some kind of weird stuff happens where the lizard is able to, through nothing other than real, really mind power, is able to shut down the mammal part of people's brains and awaken the lizard part so that they will kind of turn cold-blooded and evil like him and a lot of New Yorkers start acting erratically. Um, I wasn't as big a fan of all of that kind of stuff. But there's, again, some interesting stuff towards the end where Peter kind of uh, is able to get some of the lizard venom into the the, the venom that, the, that Kurt Connors had been drinking to try and keep the lizard at bay. He's able to spit some into the lizard's mouth in the final issue. And the lizard kind of then goes through this weird kind of existential crisis where it's kind of implied that Kurt Connors, at least I, this is the way I read it, that Kurt Connors is still gone and that he is still dead, and that this is just the lizard now. But when Peter gives him that antidote and is and shows him a picture of his son, even the creature of the lizard starts feeling guilt for what he did about killing the son, and basically 
runs off at the at the end and stops attacking Spider-Man and stops trying to take over the brain of New Yorkers because he is finally as the lizard seeing the world for what it really is and not just being able to see the world as kind of through the through the view of Kurt Connors as as a lizard and it kind of is overcome by guilt and runs away and so the kind of the the battle never really ends it's just implied that Kurt Connors is still dead and that maybe the lizard is as just the lizard is going to be a more sentient kind of creature from then on um and yeah, it's it's an interesting story. And given that James said this is the best lizard story, I'm slightly disappointed that kind of this setup with this character didn't lead lead to something better in a future story. Um, but I did find it like an interesting three or four issues. Um, I, I wasn't as much of a fan of the art of this as I was um, the the Spider Men, and also mostly the the kind of the current Dan Slott era of Spider Man. Um, it's a shame to say I'm not entirely sure who the artist is on that, but I kind of like that art style a little bit more than I like this. But I think it did work well for the kind of weird, gritty, lizardy bits. And this is a darker story than a lot of the Spider-Man stuff I've read. So in a way, it was perhaps appropriate for this story, but just not my kind of, not my kind of thing overall. Um, but yeah, so mostly I, f- I found this this was an interesting story, um, a little bit alienating. T- there were a few alienating elements in that I was jumping in midway through a story that was, you know, a, a, a few years ago now and completely, completely separate to all of the stuff that's going on with the Spider-Man that I've been reading. Um, but it was, it was, it was certainly interesting. And um, yeah, I liked mostly, I would say as a lizard story, I really enjoyed the lizard stuff or at the very least found it interesting. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that, Apparently this didn't lead to any better lizard stuff because there is kind of a a good setup there towards the end of the issue. But that is it for this week's show. Before I finish completely, um, I'd like to thank everyone in the past week who has backed us on Patreon so far. Uh, We've reached our first goal and are on our way to reaching our second goal. Uh, So that means that there will be a Cinematic Universe website launching soon um, and that's all down to you guys so thank you very much and we will thank you all individually um, on next week's show backers at certain levels will also be getting access to some additional audio um, and there will actually be some additional audio from this week's show Um, i'll be talking about the untold tales of spider-man minus one issue on that that james also mentioned on last week's show so patreon backers can look out for that um but that's it until next week and don't forget that the next episode of cinematic universe will be focused on the 2004 film the punisher um feedback from last week's episode the amazing spider-man episode seems to be that listeners enjoy angry joe a lot um, i was recording that on very little sleep and was unprepared for quite how much i would dislike the amazing spider-man um, so i don't know whether i can promise more of that in the immediate future um mostly because i've never seen any punisher movie so i'm very much looking forward to being introduced to this character through the thomas jane movie and um been given lots of context from Seven James before the character pops up on Daredevil next month. Uh, but if you are enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or review, and we'll give you a shout out on a future show. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com or as a film divider podcast at filmdivider.com. 
and very soon we'll have our own website where you'll be able to find them all as well so look forward to that you can get in touch via facebook on twitter at cu underscore podcast or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com see you next week Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.